Welcome to season two of Black on Shelf, a podcast championing black and brown entrepreneurs with products on the digital and physical shelves. We engage entrepreneurs and supporters through inspired storytelling, relevant resource sharing, and community engagement. Okay, Black on Shelf community, that's you. You are the mighty boss fam. You're bigger and literally stronger, and I'm definitely excited to grow together. I'm your host, Tanaj Ferguson. This is Black on Shelf. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to Black on Shelf. I have a special guest for everybody. This is Bianca Rush, founder of Sassy Hair Caps. So we're going to get all the way into it. Welcome, Bianca. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Yes, we're so excited. Bianca is the boss lady in charge of Sassy Hair Caps. And for those that are not yet familiar, I know many of you are familiar and will be supporting. But for those that don't, Sassy Caps is all about being a hair and length inclusive satin caps brand for all textures and all curl patterns. She's going to tell us exactly why she created this. But once you find out, you'll, you will discover you probably need this too if you don't have it yet. So just saying, we're going to get all the way into it. And I just love Bianca's story. I think so many of us could learn from it. This community is all about entrepreneurship and being inspired to do something different. That's exactly what Bianca did. And she took it a step further. So we're going to find out about all these efforts that she's doing in business to um, manifest this for herself, as well as to bring others up along the way. So we love these types of stories here at Black and Shelf. Welcome again, Bianca. Thank talk you for to us. Me. Of course, talk to us about your background. Who are you? Where are you from? Where did you go to school? What did you want to be? <laughs> Tell us everything about you. Okay. <laughs> I am from Atlanta, Georgia. All in right. the South. Definitely a Southern Belle. Yes. Um, I went to college, actually, University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even in marketing or anything like beauty during that time. I was definitely a tech girl. So oh. I found my way over to the public accounting firm in Atlanta and also focusing on technology and accounting. And then while I was there, that's where I discovered I had a love for beauty. Very specifically, I had a love for hair. Didn't even know it. Wow. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a love for hair. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I actually got into entrepreneurship while I was working full-time in corporate. One of the things that I really realized was I kind of was tired of my check being the same. No no matter how (laughs) much extra work I put in, no matter if I came in early or stayed late, my the payment was looking the same. And I knew that the goals that I wanted to hit financially, I wasn't going to meet those goals, just focusing on a full-time you know, employment. So for me, when I got started and dabbled into entrepreneurship, it was really the desire of, I wanted more financial freedom, but I needed it faster than what I was going to get you know, if I grew in my career. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So from there, I actually like the sassy haircut came out of a need of when I actually started selling hair extensions. That was really my basis was okay. hair extensions. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's 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 um <laughs> let's pause here to make sure we understand. So we've got smart tech girl. She's in public accounting, working for the firm. Realizes I'm in this finance tech accounting environment, but I'm not making all the money that I thought I would or Mm -hmm. that's possible for me. And you think about, okay, I need to do something on the side. So you start selling here while you're working. Yep. All right. So (laughs) that hair business is something that brings you another stream of income. And that's sort of your first foray into entrepreneurship. 
Yes. Yes, that was exactly. And that was my first little taste into the beauty industry was through the hair industry. So what so made you choose cho- what made you choose hair as the product you could you could have sold water bottles, anything? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I actually um, was a natural girl my whole life, Um, even high school, college, never wore extensions of anything. And actually, I just saw an episode of of BET and it was Koya, (laughs) right? And she, her hair looked always so good. Now, this was before Instagram days. So Twitter was kind of the wave. Mm -hmm. And she actually shouted out where she got her hair from. And it was in Atlanta. And I went there and I just saw women buying like product out of every little direction. And I was like, I need to get into this. Mm-hmm. But I had no clue how to get into it. I had no clue about hair extension. So I really yeah. had to figure it out. And that's how my journey into hair started was out of seeing someone else's hair done, seeing a lot of women come into a hair store and purchase without asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I realized I could do this. It's just really <laughs> me believing in myself, even yeah. though I had no experience. And then that led my way into hair industry. And then that actually is what birthed a uh, sassy hair cap was from yeah. me selling hair extensions and having no way to take care of them. So I invented a way to take care of them. I love that. I love that. So for those like you, you know, I, I love the beginning of your journey. You had this vision. You were all, you're going to be ambitious no matter what, because you were already in a great career. You know, everyone could say that that was going to be a great career trajectory for you, but you did want more. You wanted something different. Um, talk to me about how you were feeling in that role and sort of what was speaking to you at the time to make you feel like it wasn't about maybe getting a promotion or going someplace else. Talk to me about like what was really pulling you to say this was something I should do, like something in and of myself versus anything in corporate, because you could have taken another job or say, I'm going to work my tail off for the promotion. There was something in you that made you say, no, this direction long term is going to be better for me. And you're also the type of person. But talk to me about what was going on in your head during that time. I know others can relate. Yeah, I really was um, thinking in my head that financially I wasn't going to meet. An, I had a number in my head. I always had a number. So uh, mm-hmm. I'll even talk when I was little. I knew exactly what I wanted to do as far as financial money. Like money was never a conversation my family avoided. It was always a topic okay. that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So. Having that number in my head as a fifth grader, I knew that I never I never left that out of my head. So I knew by a certain age, I wanted to earn this much money. And I literally just did the numbers in my head of like, I'm not going to make it to that goal until you know, 15, 20 years from now. And I'm looking at my age and I'm looking at the things that I wanted to do by a certain age. And I wouldn't honestly be able to do it based off of my pay grade, pay scale. We were in a recession at the time. So mm-hmm. I was even blessed to have a job because people were losing their jobs. This was mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really realized in me, if I wanted to hit the financial goal that I wanted, I had to find something else. And then when I saw hair, it just seemed to me the most logical sense because I felt as though, okay, this world is going a little crazy right now, but these women are like, I need what I need. And also I was like, well, I like getting my hair done. I just don't get extensions. And I just felt like it was one recession proof Two, the money was there. And three, I just really believed that I could do it. Like I felt like I had enough friends that we could figure it out collectively, yeah. but kept me going. Mm-hmm. No, that's big. And it's interesting. You mentioned that in your family, um, you all talked about money a lot. So mm-hmm. in the black family in general, it varies, right? Some folks feel like they 
um, have learned a lot from their family circumstances and others. The way the reason they are where they are is because of those same circumstances. Talk to me about what made your family unique um, in and really being transparent and clear about talking about money with each other. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So my father, very much country guy, country boy, but they did not have um, much. So given that he came from a very, I like to say, very humbled, humbled beginnings, mm-hmm. he always knew that if he was able to be successful for himself, he was always going to share kind of the importance of a dollar to his kids. And then mm-hmm. um, my mother, well, my father and my mother are married. She absolutely had the same respect for money as well. So, you know, I saw how hard they were working. They made sure they, that we knew that money didn't grow on trees and it wasn't right. free. And within that, they just told us the power of saving and investing your money. My, my father was active in the stock market. I was eight years old watching the stock market with him. You know, a little girl looking up to her father, he says, the sky is green. And you look up and it's orange, but you're going to believe him because you're like, okay, that's my dad. It is. Yeah, I'm right with you. So mm-hmm. he, um, I just believed his word when he talked about money and I just studied him. So if he was watching the stock market, I was watching stock market. I honestly probably should have stayed there. I could have been a really <laughs> good, you know, yeah. person. You know, you started at eight and learning everything, but I just always had a healthy relationship with money. And I knew I always wanted to be a certain place and I couldn't get there, you know, actively spending and not saving or not investing in the correct things. So that's kind of how it started. Yeah, I I, I really do love that. One of the other things about your story is that you saw a pain point that you had for yourself. One, you saw you saw the market response, right? You watched consumers in the store and that really triggered you to say, I can do this. And you Mm -hmm. further, you know, continue to watch and listen to your consumer. And you had this personal experience, too, that said oh my gosh, um, I'm not really able to you my, my, my existing cap, my existing satin bonnet, bonnet does not allow me to wear it when I have braids versus when I have a puff versus when I have really long hair. Right. And you're like, I don't need to be buying six different sizes, lengths. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of what we all did until your product existed. We bought different ones and had to make it work. But you, you saw that and said, I'm going to make this. So you have this, you have this activated sense um, that sees a problem and goes and fix it, fixes it. Do you see that play out in other areas of your life? I, I do. I think I'm very proactive in my life. I'm, I'm a reflective person. So I try to think about things before I actually do them. But once I make up my mind, my mind's made. So I go and do it. But you are, you are exactly correct. Like I didn't see anything in stores online that was for women or men whose hair grew down instead of out yes, or both. So typically what we see in most satin caps and most bonnets is what we would see of a standard shower cap. You know, it's really an outward type of feature instead of something that was down. And I knew that me, not only as a black woman, but I like to wear longer styles. Sometimes in the summers, I want to have blonde braids. And how can I feel as though I can protect my braids and keep them very nice and polished without feeling like they're going to frizz up because I don't have anything to place over it. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't find anything like that. And just like you said, I um, invented it. You invented it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So for those who find themselves in this unique position that, that you are in, for whatever 
um, problem that they're experiencing around them. What would you say are things that you would do next? You see the problem, you have an you have an idea for that. What are some things that you would do to ask yourself that you can talk to the boss time about to say, hey, put it through, put it through some of these questions or considerations. What are some mm-hmm. things that come to mind to help someone navigate? See the problem. I have a solution. What should I be thinking about next? Yeah, definitely. So you see a problem, see a solution. I would say first check to make sure you've done all of your homework to, to know that the solution doesn't already exist. So sometimes, you know, marketing isn't everyone's forte. They're not as great at it, but they're they're doing a little bit. They're tra- they're having a little traction. So I would suggest doing your homework to see one, is it already done, but we just haven't searched hard enough? Two, is it is there an actual significant customer base. So you might see a problem, but how lucrative as far as a financial gain can you earn from it? Is it a big opportunity or is it only a small subset of people who face that problem? So honestly, you wouldn't see the result that you really want. So is the actual audience for that really big? Mm -hmm. And then three, what's the cost to start? If if you want to solve this problem, what all do you need to get into in order to make it happen? Is it something that you can self-fund and jumpstart? Do you need to do like some form of a fundraise or crowdfund where you ask family, friends, community to support you and your ideas so you can make it happen to fruition? And also, I would say, is it is it something manageable? Do you do you have to find a team? Can you do it by yourself or do you actually have to? Oh, wow. I actually need someone that has this type of experience. And if you do, is this something that you can bring them in on some equity where you don't have to? pay them directly, but you'll give them ownership in the company as it grows? Or is it something that you can afford to pay someone for their time? Because we obviously know we, you know, you want to pay people for their time out of respect for their gifts. Mm -hmm. So those are just the first things that I would evaluate is how big is the need? Is it, does it truly not exist? Is it really an, an open opportunity where you can have the entire freeway of that problem? Do you need to hire somebody to make it happen? Or can you self-fund? And um, I had one more. I kind of forgot that last one. But those are the things that- What are going to be scale and scale? Your last one was scale. Like, is it going to be, are you going to run it by yourself or are you going to have a team? Yeah, yeah. Are you gonna, um, How are you going to do like the run, the running of everything? Is it something that you can work full time and still get the commitment? That was something that I was grateful to be able to do. I didn't have to quit my job to do it. Um, but, you know, I know that isn't the case for everybody. yeah. So I, I know you hinted at it. You started to share a little bit about what some of that process looked like for you. But what was some of the initial, we'll just go through it. What was some of the initial places or, or touch points you, you went to to say, okay, is this a viable market opportunity? What, was mm-hmm. the, what did that look like for you to really understand what that opportunity was? Just going to the hair salon. <laughs> so I, I get my hair done very often. And I was just always curious on how... Um, women or men maintain their style after the salon. So I know for myself, I look amazing coming out of the salon. Yes. But it's always that day three (laughs) where (laughs) I'm like, I don't look like I went to the salon, you know, in between gym and life. It's just like, Mm -hmm. how can I make my style sustain longer where I don't have to curl it as much? Like that's how I had to learn to curl my hair was the fact that I wanted to keep my hair up, but I just couldn't just keep paying and keep going the hair salon every five days. So um, just going to the salon was one of the things that made me think about all these people have to maintain their hair. And, you know, if you can't maintain your hair, then what does that mean for you? That means you're probably putting more heat on your natural hair or more heat on your extensions or or style or product. 
And then what does that lead to? So I always thought deeper to than just the general surface level problem. It's just like, so what does that mean? And that was always a question for me. It's like, and I, I challenge you all to think like that too. What does that really mean? What's the like root core of that? If you can't maintain your hair, then you're going to put more heat on it. You're going to put more product on it. That leads to hair breakage. Uh, that, leads, that leads to hair thinning. Um, so that's kind of how I got mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And I even would add on that one, um, once you do that preliminary observation and you go down that line of thinking, Bianca just mentioned, we have resources, right, where we can say, let me see if I can get at some market data just to see, hmm, maybe I'm able to see what the hair accessories market looks like. And maybe I can, I'm able to drill down. Not always, right? It's not, you're not always able to access it without paying, but it might also be worth it to, to see if you can get some preliminary data, sales information or market mm-hmm. information on that segment of the category. Usually, oh, you can yeah. get at, you, usually you can get at a high, high level version of that just to give you like a, a better sense. Like that one category is going to be different for another. An iPhone is going to be different than sales of soda, right? Like phone sales versus sales of soda is going to, they're going to be different. The players are going to be different. So getting at this information, even your suggestion around like, okay, you were going to the store um, you were going to the salon and seeing for yourself the different types of styles people have. Do similarly, I'm sure you went to the store and said, well, what options are they currently using? And you saw the four or five different or multiple brands. You looked at what is Walmart offering? What is um, what can I get on Amazon and say, "Okay, how can I make something better, different or put a brand on that that people want to buy from me? Talk to us about that part. Yeah, that that's funny you said that because I did go to all the stores. <laughs> and I actually was sitting in a salon chair asking my hairstylist at the time, how do I take care of this? Like, you know, I'm wearing hair extensions now because I sell hair extensions, mm-hmm. but I have no clue how to take care of them. And one of her answers was I needed to wear a bonnet. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'm going to go get me a bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> so I go and get a bonnet and I, I literally just kind of twist my hair and put it on. And yeah. I go to sleep, wake up, my curls are ruined, my hair ends are bent, and it just doesn't look like how I imagined it would look. Right. So I have, I would have to literally go back and fix my hair. And that, like I said, that's how I learned how to curl mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to curl hair either. <laughs> so yeah. from there, I went back to the salon. I told her, like, hey, I bought the bonnet, but I wasn't looking that good the next day. My hair didn't last. She's like, oh, you need a bigger one. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's logical. I need a bigger bonnet. Same, same, same problem because they all were out instead of down. So I did the same thing, same problem. So I was like, look, you know, Bianca, it, it don't waste any more money. Uh, <laughs> just use the internet, girl. You live in yeah. the internet. Use the internet. So I searched for a long satin bonnet, exact words, nothing. This was even, I don't even think Amazon was the Amazon that it is, but this is 11 years ago. Wow. Um, so I'm thinking long satin bonnet, nothing out there. I believe, I believe that completely 11 <laughs> years ago. Mm-hmm. No. So I ended up saying, I guess I need to invent this. And wow. then that started the idea and the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as you did that, you know, I'm sure on the business end, when you're creating a product from scratch, and this is something I, I felt like was really, you know, unique to to you. How did you go about the legal piece of it? We know as part of your story, you found a seamstress, you found a manufacturer, and that we can definitely talk about that so that folks building something, making something um, outside of themselves know some of these steps as well. We talk about that a lot here, but um, your product is different. So it'll be good to cover that. The trademark piece, how do you secure your idea? 
talk yeah. to us about that piece and then we can get into like how you did, um, how you created the product from scratch once you had the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the trademark was one of the first things that happened. And with that, just found a trademark attorney online. Now you can easily find a trademark attorney um, on Instagram by typing trademark attorney. There's a lot For available. Sure. But at yeah. that time, I literally had to dig because one, actually one moment I got kind of scammed, but this was on an entirely different business. Like he really wasn't a trademark attorney, but um, he looked legitimate. So I had to hire someone to get me out of that. But um, online, I found a trademark attorney, got trademarked, which was good. And then the second thing was I knew that I had an idea that was very unique. So I had like a design feature that was unique. So honestly, when you have something more design oriented, um, or a, or any form of engineering, get a patent. So I went to the process of get, going through the patent application. And to be very honest, I'm still in the patent application. It's a long time. <laughs> it is a long time. Yeah. It is so long. But went to patent pending. I figured out how to do patent pending myself. So I was like, well, at least I can do a patent pending that can kind of protect me for a year. And within that time, I used that time to find a patent attorney. So I was still working in corporate and I was still um, having clients in corporate. So I honestly would befriend my clients a little bit, like a friendly befriend, you yeah. know, just casual conversation to ask you how's your day. Oh, it's going great. I'm actually looking for an attorney. Do you know anyone? So just kind of in conversation, I was introduced to my first attorney was from my client. Um, so he had some things in the works and he worked with her when it came to patents. And that kind of started the patent process. Mm-hmm. What are some watch outs, considerations for someone new to the patent process? Would you say now that you've been in it like over 10 years in a way or oh, wow. part of the process, you told us you made some mistakes in it. Talk to us about how to maybe avoid some of the, the pitfalls you experienced because you had to go through it first. Yeah, um, I think one, because I'm actually on my second patent attorney. So I had to uh, unfortunately leave this first. Mm-hmm. I would think one Talk, interview the attorney and ask them about their track record of success. How invested are they in their clients? Because the, I think that was something that I didn't think about was how invested are they? So when they get action items, are they replying correctly? And I would even say this, when you are explaining your product, please be clear because my product was actually documented incorrectly. Like how I explained it to her and I showed her videos, she saw the website she clearly made it make sense like she got it, but she wrote it wrong. So what was submitted, I was like, that's not the function. That's not the functionality. And then the sketch wasn't all the way accurate either. So when you submit it, it's gone. It's gone. So I would just make sure there's a clear understanding of what they drafted for you as far as the functionality and design. Make sure you look at the sketch accurately, ask questions if it's incorrect or you don't know before they submit. Because once it's on file, it's on file and you, you can't do anything about it with without bringing in someone else to edit it. And that's more usually money. another attorney or really just more money that you have to spend for them to edit a file and resubmit. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a big one. And I think but basically what you're saying is you're just so much more informed this time around. <laughs> um, and added with the fact that there are more trusted professionals, very visible. Um, and you also have those right questions to ask. Have you, have you actually gotten someone's patent <laughs> approved? Mm-hmm. You know, and what is that time frame? I'm sure it varies from product yeah. to product. I know right now there is a lot of delay because of COVID on, on multiple things, those patents being one of them, but 
it's important to start that process. You mentioned you did that, but you're also using patent pending. So this is something, talk to us about the process. This is something you could use until you have your, your full patent itself. You can use yeah, patent right. pending to show you're in the process. You're in the process, right? Absolutely. So just just doing that. Also, I like to use patent pending on my packaging. Mention it on your website so that they know that this idea is in the process to being completely protected. So of course, having the full patent is a lot better than just mm-hmm. having patent pending. But patent pending is something that you can utilize to show that this is actually in the process of going through a, a patent review and being approved. So use it to your advantage. Uh, it's a long process, but it's worth it when it finally happens. Yeah, no, that that's a good that's a good tip for everybody here. So now let's get into, you know, you had the idea. Did you try to sew it yourself ever at the beginning or you went straight to the seamstress? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. So a seamstress um, did pretty much the prototype of what the design was to be. So it wasn't the the perfect one. And honestly, it wasn't even the material that it is now. It was literally just like some little see-through flimsy material, but the body of it, the skeleton and functionality was exactly, um, well, the initial exactly model of what it should be. And then when I found a manufacturer, they actually tightened it up and made it a lot better and put a bow on top of it. Yeah. 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 Um, Just a local seamstress that could make it happen. And it was drawn on paper, like regular printing copy paper, nothing extravagant at all. But um, very blessed that she was a- actually able to grasp some of the concepts so that I could make it easier to show to an actual manufacturer. Yeah. When when you went to the manufacturer, what, did you have to go through an other, another country or were you able to find somewhere local or somewhere domestic? No, it actually was in the States. So I went to Cosmoprof. It is a North American, actually it's a global trade show for beauty, but I went to the North American, um, I guess, version of it. Yeah. And it is in Las Vegas. It still is in Las Vegas. It's in the Mm -hmm. summer, but I went there. I only had one prototype. So I I went with the mindset. I'm going to find somebody. The one the seamstress made. Yeah, that's all I had. Wow. You, You know, them prayers was deep. And they were deep. I yes. Was, I was praying so hard. Like if, if faith was a person, <laughs> it was you. It actually was you. It was me. The I won the prototype. The one. And the because the problem that I kept running into with other manufacturers was the actual snap that's on the product. Most people that create, let's just say, sleepwear or hair accessories for, for slumber or shower don't have buttons. Like they don't do buttons. Right, right. They just couldn't do it. And I couldn't find someone that could do the actual snap and also do the satin. Mm -hmm. So when I I went across, I had my business card and that just showed that I was legitimate. For some reason, they business cards mean like you're legitimate. But anyway, I had a business card and I just kept going around showing them. They were like, oh, I think we can do it. Uh, We can take it. I was like, no. Because I only have one. Take it, right? No, you can't. You can't take this one because you're not completely sure, and I don't know if I'm going to hear from you. So I did all of that, and then um, around, I I was there about two hours. I found another supplier that had a lot of different stuff that related to I felt my industry in my head. Mm -hmm. So I I said, hey, do you all do like any like um, private accounts? Do you all 
manufacture pieces for other businesses? They said, yeah, we do. So they said, oh, our, our COO is here. How about you talk to him? Yeah. So I talked to him and I showed him my the one the seamstress gave me. He was like, oh yeah, we absolutely can make it. I said, do you have something that can do this like snap? He's like, yeah, because look, we have this. He was showing me all these different class. We have this class on here and this on here. Yeah, we can make it. We're based in the States, but we would have to take this. <laughs> I was Did you like, feel like someone trying to take your baby. You're yeah, like, I'm yeah, not living this hospital without right. my child. Yes. <laughs> I didn't have anything like that was my only one. So I was like, I came here on a mission and I just said, I just really said a prayer. I don't know. I don't know what my prayer, prayer was. I can't remember anymore, but I just really had faith that he would return it. Yeah. And I Versus gave it to other people that had asked for it too. Yeah. I just had faith that he would give it back to me. Yeah. Um, so I gave it to him and I just was like, okay, this is my only one. Wow. Let's see. So I gave it to him and then I left, obviously flew back home to Atlanta uh-huh. and I didn't hear anything for like three weeks. I was like, you were oh scared God. then. You're like, he's going to take my idea, rip it off. Yes, I'm an NDA. So I don't know. <laughs> no NDA. What, what NDA? <laughs> Nothing. Oh um, we eventually got to that point, but yeah. Um, one of his, I don't know if she was associates or she was just his assistant or helping. She was, she was like, hi, Bianca, your actual, uh, prototype is ready. And I was like, she's like, where do we work it? Yeah, they were working on it for three weeks. Yes. And they were like, where can we send your original back and also send you what we have? Praise the Lord. But amen. And actually three weeks is not bad. When you don't have what you feel like. Right, right. I mean, without the communication, then it's like, oh, yeah, it was nothing. I didn't hear from him. Nothing, yeah. nothing. And um, they mailed it to me. It, it was a great start. So we ended up making some adjustments here and there. And then they finally nailed it. And then they became wow. a manufacturer. I'm oh so happy God. to hear that. I, I mean, I feel for you hearing the story. I, I'm on the edge with you. I'm like, is this going to end really bad or or what? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess it could be a clipping. Yeah. 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 Okay, we're so happy for you. But I'm curious. So you went to Cosmoprof. Tell us yep. more about that, that experience, and even what made you say, let me go there, thinking that like you could have results out of it. So talk to us about that. Yeah, um, and so who is I, it for? It is for beauty professionals or any just if you're in the beauty industry, when I say beauty, skincare, wellness, um, holistic, you can do, I wouldn't say it's not that much for hair. But everything else besides that. So if you're going yeah. to your favorite retailer, you go to the beauty aisle, it helps you with all those things and except for hair extensions. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually got introduced to there through a hairstylist friend. I think it was Kellen. It's a um, Kellen Derek is his name on Instagram. I, I believe he was the one that told me about Casa Prof because he came with me. We went together. Oh, okay. um, but uh, I can't, I think I'm so long ago. But that's really where I decided that I was going to do a start. I did some research, read online. It seemed like it might be a viable solution. And I knew I wasn't going to go across these. So why not start here? So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I got there. And when I went there, I saw a ton of manufacturers, ton of private label. Mm-hmm. And this was way before COVID was even a thought or even born. Mm-hmm. So it was very packed. Crazy. It was yeah. packed. It was packed, jam-packed, huge. So there were so many different opportunities to do whatever you want in beauty, wellness, skincare, cosmetics, and so forth. So that's had how you, I. Yeah. Had you reached out to any of them by like email or anything before or you were like sort of banking on, I'm going to just 
kind of meet all of them at once and figure out who was who and then narrow it down from there. Just kind of get to meet people and, and learn the contacts. Is that what your, your thought was? So I didn't reach out to anyone prior. I They had like a booklet, like most trade shows, like who's here. And I did a little bit of research based off of the names. But even like if you see a name or like they might not even sell what you think they sell. So I did a few research, circled, made myself a map. So I kind of had a game plan, mm-hmm. but I didn't reach out to them prior and I didn't know if they could do what I needed so that I really was shooting in the dark. <laughs> yeah. So are you still working with the same manufacturer now who you met there? That's I am. excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, um, I'm, I'm loving it. They're so they're definitely like professional and high quality. Like I can bet on them to know that they're going to deliver a very good quality product consistently. Mm-hmm. That was always a concern for me. Yeah. So having been in, in, in this manufacturing space for several years now, what would you say are some keys to having a good relationship? like yours was enduring, you know, you, you, yours continues to be enduring with this one. Um, how do you foster this type of relationship and partnership with a manufacturing firm so that they are invested and responsive to you? What does that look like for you as over the years, as you built that relationship? Um, I definitely think just being honest on where you want to go and where your vision is, um, be flexible on, on price because price changes, like the price that I was paying, is not the same price I'm paying now. Mm-hmm. So just understand that they're operating as a business. So that might mean, do you need to go up on your cost because your manufacturer did, or can you sustain? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think just being open and direct on where you're going. Like sometimes the conversations can get a little, not heated, but spicy uh, mm-hmm. via email because uh-huh. you know I know exactly where I want to go and they can only do certain capabilities or they can't do it at all. So I just think it's just a give and take. Like I, I like my manufacturer a lot. I want to stay working with them, but I also know if there's anything that they can't do, I need to be open to having, you know, a secondary option as well. And I'm not nervous to let them know that I had to kind of seek other options on certain things. Mm-hmm. So just be very honest. They'll try to accommodate if they can. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like any relation, it's, prof- it's professional at the end of the day. So it is still a business, even though you like them, you're still saying, mm, I got to do what's best for the business. Absolutely. Got it. So talk to us about milestones. What are you proud of that you've done, that you've accomplished in the business, that the business has accomplished? Talk talk to us about some of those exciting things that you just look at, whether they're small or big, just that they're meaningful. What are those the meaningful most milestones? meaningful is being at Target. <laughs> So this product yes. is sold online at Target and also in the Target app. That is very, very new. That just happened yeah. this past October. So launching there is incredible. I love working. With- so September. Um, so you've been October, November, December, January, February, about five months now. Yeah. So um, October 23rd was when we launched at Target. And Four totally months. Loved, okay. Yeah. Love partnering with them. So that was such a huge moment for me because this idea started literally, well, outside of me sitting in a salon, I was working on it in my apartment in Atlanta and I worked in corporate. I never wore any hair extensions. I'm not a popular person. (laughs) I didn't have to like pay to play. It literally came off of creating something that's innovative, having a really incredible, compelling story about it. And then working with a major retailer that sees Oh, you onto something. And I think our guests would really enjoy that. And then them walking me through that process. Mm-hmm. So that would be the hugest milestone that I love. And then I think the second is 
just seeing press about um, this product in Essence and Cosmopolitan and Elle magazine. Like they absolutely are fans of what is created from this Black woman in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) You know what I love too about this story is, you know, in the past, you know, and, and this still is the case, you know, we are such big consumers of the beauty category, the hair care category. And I just love that more of us are getting our share across the category. So this okay. is a, a support product, right? This is this is not the shampoo and others. And those things are great too. But like, you're also saying, hey, I can get into another category where we're, we're huge consumers of it. I don't really know any Black woman that doesn't wear hair, you know, protection on her hair, whether it's a pillowcase that's silk and some type of bonnet scarf, something she's wearing yeah. something. Absolutely. And men as well, to your point, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely a, a growing category. And I love how you said that because now that I think about it, I don't see that many emerging new newbies to the game no. coming into that category. Like hair care, as far as like shampoos, conditioners. Oh yeah. Yes. We're there um, wearing so makeup, but you know, you're, you're, um, you're amongst, you're amongst the first people. There's like Felicia have Leatherwood in, in the brush space. There's um the co- cos- cosmology, the, the other brush. There's the, they're there. There's, you know, mm-hmm. sassy hair caps there. You're really one of the few and definitely amongst the first in a retail setting, a mass retail setting with Target. That's wild. Thank you. That's wild. Congratulations. That's a really big one. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm i so excited and grateful for it. It is one of the most monumental moments of my life. And I just, I don't know, it's just, I'm a type of person that cries later. So I haven't cried yet. But you're going to be expanding some more. And so <laughs> you'll have your, you know, your tears will come when you really when you really catch this glimpse of what you have accomplished, because you're, you're running yeah. so fast, you're getting it all done. Um, but trust, it's very inspiring. And that's why I was so thrilled to have you on here, because I, I see you working and you're helping people and you're doing your own thing. And I'm like, she's amazing. Yeah. Is this Bianca? I need to talk to yeah. her. I, yeah. I <laughs> want to help 100 women launch and scale in beauty. So that's my like wow. first goal. So is that for 2022 or is that like just you're going to do this until you you can't stop? (laughs) That's funny because yesterday I was thinking about that. I was like, do I want to do that within this year? Do I want to do that within the next two years? I haven't put my year on it, but I know. Let us know. I'm going to have a year. I'm going to, it's too, too, maybe within the next two years, but I, um, I definitely, I'm on a mission to help 100 women. So that's my goal. We'll see. All right. We're here for it. So something else about your story is really cool. Uh, well, one, I saw you today with a meeting talking about Target, right? You know, they are, they seem to be a really good partner for you and really helping to make this your, your smooth entry, help, helping to make this a smooth entry there. I saw you today um, having a meeting with this team and, and doing your own development, getting, getting your, getting advisement from them or support. And then you followed up with another development meeting at a Shopify or something. Talk to us about what your days are looking like, what support you're getting, what resources you're doing, how you're leveling, leveling up so you can help others. Tell us a little, okay. bit, a little bit about that. We're always curious, what are the other entrepreneurs doing to be as amazing as they are? Yeah. Um, so I am a, a learner. I'm a professional learner. Mm-hmm. So I, I love to, I actively like listen to podcasts about various topics. 
I like to join a variety of groups. Like I'm not scared to pay to be coached because I know that I need, I don't know everything. So I like to be coached on my weaknesses so that I can one, be better for myself, but also I can coach and teach the the women that actually follow me and actually are a part of any program that I have. So my day-to-day, I get up at 6 Mm a.m. every day, except for Fridays, and I start my day at the gym at 7 a.m., 7 to about 8. I make it home about 8.45, have breakfast, and then really the top half of my day is for me. So like Target meetings, any calls, they don't typically start until 10.30, Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock. So between that time, I'm, I'm doing something personal that I want to do. Like, go well, today I bought some baskets to put candles in. Like, that was my me time today. And, and I loved it. Yes. And I still, I, I'm a candle addict. So if you sell candles, mm-hmm. let me send them, send them to her way. I love, I'm, I'm so into candles. Um, but also, I, I actually have a coach. So I have two business coaches that mm-hmm. help me in a variety of ways when it comes to thinking outside of the box on marketing. So actually, when I was working in well, in college, I actually had an internship at Coca-Cola headquarters in their technology uh, sector. So their global IT. Mm-hmm. And the most impactful moment of my life was working for, I'm going to say her name because I hope one day she can hear yes. this. Hear this. Yes, we got to find is, her on LinkedIn and be like, listen. I take her out for a drink. Wow. I, um, she told me, her name is Tamika Harper. She okay. at that time was a project manager at the global information technology of Coca-Cola, the brand. So she was big time. Mm-hmm. And she told me that I needed to think more outside the box. Like I was her intern, mm-hmm. very sensitive, babe. like I'm a sensitive person. If I really want to do well, um, I'm sensitive to you. So I was so sensitive to that. that I actually went into a room and, and called my older sister and was like kind of crying and I was like, she says I need to think outside the box. I do everything she says. What is a box? Like, what does that mean? I am like 19 years old, 20 years old, always been like the star student, you know, that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she just told me, you got to just be more creative. And I'm like, but I am. I'm doing everything she says. But that lit so much fire underneath me. I never forgot about stepping outside the box and what that meant. So as I grew into this business, I always kept that in my head. What can I do outside the box to grow? And because of that, I was able to build a a successful hair brand as a nobody, really didn't know nobody. (laughs) And uh, launched with my first major retailer with no experience on what that looked like and how to even start that conversation and what a buyer looked looked for. But it was that thinking outside the box and working with the right people that allowed me to get in this direction. So hence why I'm always on a call in a meeting. It's just always development for me because- you know, if it's a development for me, that means the people that I coach, people that I help is a development for them. I know that they can't make the investment level that I can make because I was once that person. Like, I'm not paying that much. Mm-hmm. I'll stick to YouTube or a book. Yeah. And I knew that if, if I wanted to be on the fast track, I needed to invest in someone that already did it so they can tell me quickly what I can do. Mm-hmm. But I know it, it took a lot to get there. That wasn't initial. Before that, I was trial and error lost some money, didn't understand, but I don't want that to happen, especially with black women, women in general, um, nothing against my guys, (laughs) but I am so pro woman. Like I'm a girl's girl. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to make sure they don't go through the things that I go through and that they learn what I'm learning now without having to sacrifice thousands of dollars in order to understand. 
We love that. And, and thank you for being so generous with your experience and turning that into something actionable um, and coachable for, for everybody. Like people can learn from what you're doing. If you follow Bianca, which you totally should do, she's always dropping jams. She's showing you packaging. She's talking about what she's seeing. And it's really, I'm that type of person too. I love to have those chats about insights and, you know, we're product geeks. So <laughs> if you're, yeah. if you're a product nerd, you love marketing, branding, want to learn more, uh, Bianca is a great person to follow because she, she has those insights. Um, wanted to, wanted to find out. So this sassy caps itself, um, it was conceived about 11 years ago, but you've sort of formalized it in the past, maybe going on six years. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, yes. um, that is accurate. <laughs> awesome. Um, with that, um, you've, you've evolved and iterated what the product is, where it's been sold. Talk to us about some of those iterations as well as, um, what you were doing at the beginning in the middle and now and from a channel strategy standpoint. Mm -hmm. So start out just straight direct to consumer on my website. And I started the wrong way. I started on WordPress and that is not the way to start. Oh. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. I actually leaned on a web designer to make it happen. And I would honestly say maybe that's the best that she knew. So, cause I didn't know any better. I'm thinking that that's the best that she knew. Then I learned about Shopify. So I transitioned over to Shopify years later. So I've always been direct to consumer and now this is where I just now am going into like that mass retail space. Before that, I was doing pop-up shops. I was doing Shopify. That's pretty much where I started and where it stopped. But yeah. uh, now that, you know, I have such a, a great partnership with Target, it's opening up opportunities and conversations for other retailers. And that's something that I want to like share. Like when you can get in the door of one retailer, it makes it so much easier to go to another retailer or ha or someone that works with another retailer to tell them, hey, this is who's believing in me right now. And this is why I think you should believe in me too. It just makes a conversation easier to have. Mm -hmm. And for them to say, well, if they believe in you, they see yeah. something, let's see what is, what's going on here. Let's, let's learn a little bit more. So I think it gets yeah. easier once you get just one, on, like one yes, mm -hmm. really helps. No, that's a, that's a great point. Thank you. Thank you for noting that. Like, and that really comes down to being able to focus, right? You can say, who, which retailer do I think is really where my consumer is? Let me focus the most of my energy and resources there. Then yeah. let me leverage that to try to get into the other places where they are. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's all about focus. Absolutely. Talk to us about your next frontier. So you just had, you know, four months ago, you have this big opportunity. You're now available on target.com, on, um, on the website itself, on the app. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what we can expect. So I actually have four, four new products that I am working on right now. I'm, I'm currently testing them out. One of them is going to be a shower cap and it's amazing. It's, I feel like it's going to be better than what I actually, my original, like what I'm known to have. It's so, it's sad on the inside. It's amazing. It's awesome. It is awesome. I believe um, you because I literally have one of the shower caps you're talking about that looks like a chef's hat because that's what's on Amazon. And it's ridiculous, actually. So yeah, you can come on with that. I will yes. test that out for you. 
Yes. We okay. Cool. We need this in our lives. Oh, definitely. I need some testers anyway because I okay. um, I haven't released into the public yet, but. I have a shower cap coming out. I have an XL, so an extended version for anyone that needs a little bit more length and support. Mm-hmm. I'm coming up with something for the little ones. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised how many people really want stuff for their children. Of <laughs> like course, that. Yeah. yeah. And I also have a men's version that I am, te- well, there's only one, it's two different prototypes. There's only one I like. So I'm going to be doing something for the gentleman as well that mm-hmm. I want to test out. So so you're not say, slowing down anytime soon. You're, no, you're growing I, I, the portfolio. Yeah, I'm growing the portfolio, y'all. Yeah. Growing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. So that's really what I have coming up with that, that I'm really looking for. And you have your hands very full because sustaining Target is its own full-time job too. Yeah. It's a, a great, alive and active platform. So yeah, you will have a lot of fun with continuing to grow that and make sure people know where you are. Thank you. So we talked a lot about some advice, um, given your experiences. Is there anything you can think of that you would love to impress on the Black on Shelf community? Maybe something of recent experience or something that you always remind yourself of. Tell us any advice or lessons or just thought consideration that you think is important you want to tell someone. That wants to be on shelf? Yes. On shelf, um, entrepreneurship, part of the the journey or being on shelf. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, So when I started working and partnering with Target, one of the questions that they asked me was, what was my North Star? Mm -hmm. And really what that meant is, where do you see this going? And I always think like a lot of us live in present, like, oh, you know, presently I'm just doing this, I'm just doing that. But when you're entering into like the e-commerce space, especially when you want to grow into retailers, your vision can be the way that they say yes to you. They can be like, oh, we, okay, we definitely can see how that makes sense based on who our customer is and what they're asking for and what they're looking for. So I would just say um, plan out your vision for the next five to 10 years. Like, what is your, where do you want to go? What's your direction? And then also create products that fill a gap that you definitely know is not there, or you can make it better because typically when it came to just anything like major retailers, they're going to measure you against what they already have. So it's not enough to just say, well, they have this on shelf. I know I can get there. Um, They might have that on shelf when they didn't have any other options. So now that they have it, how can you make it better? Or how can you improve basically something that is not there? So do your homework on what they have, go into their stores, also go into their like website because what they have on their website might not be what they have in store. What they have in store might not be on their website. So just really do your homework on, am I filling in a need and a gap? And then also, where do I see this going? Is this something just for now because I want to do it? Or do I seriously see myself growing and seeing this business expanding within the next five or 10 years? If so, how? And what does that look like? Yeah. One thing I didn't ask that I think um, the community would be interested in, you, you had this, um, you had a robust corporate career. At what point did you go full-time if you did have to at all? Um, what did, or what did that progression look like? Are you full-time now? I am. I am full-time. I literally, so I didn't, I didn't even share this, but I ended up leaving corporate. I worked full-time in my business. Um, but this was just hair, hair extensions. When you were doing the extensions, not not yet the, okay. I would not yet, not yet this full-time, but then I just, like, I was, I was young. So I was like, 
I want to do so. I want to go back to work. <laughs> so I literally went and became a teacher. Mm-hmm. I went back and became certified in education, high school, engineering and business education. Mm-hmm. And I went and taught for seven years while I was running my businesses. And I, I literally just stopped that this past May. Oh, wow. So why teaching after working in tech? Um, I've, I think I've always naturally been a teacher, but I just knew that I uh, needed to start in technology and I wanted to start there. And then after I started to see some traction and what I needed to do happen, I was like, let me go after my passion, which is education, which is why now I, I coach as well. But I naturally yeah. am a teacher. So I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did, you were able to stay in for a good long time because you did find a field that, um, yeah. you had some flexibility, you're already really good at it as well. And it's something that you were able to, to still put in your time with the business. Yes. Yeah, so I make sure I chose a job that I could still get off and still have part of my day. So I was done with my day at 2 p.m. So yeah. that business, you can, from two to six, I can still, if I stay focused, I can finish it all very quickly and still have time for dinner, bed and so forth. So I just made sure I chose a job that was really flexible where I got, you know, holidays off, but also it ended early and we had summers off. So it just made sense. And I think it really works as an entrepreneur. If you are an, edu- an educator or a teacher, it, it, it helps. It makes it easier. There's so many entrepreneurs in the education space that are teachers. Teachers are creative. They know how yes. to communicate. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, help sure. other yeah. teachers. I hope you're listening. If you're interested, <laughs> if you're th- if you've been dreaming up something, you don't have to leave your job. In fact, you know, many times just as women, as millennials in general, yeah, life is expensive. You don't always have to just go right away. I think you could focus more and more. And if you care about it, you'll, you'll chase it. Even while you're working, you'll put, start to put away two, three, four hours, it'll grow. And Mm -hmm. you know, your life will tell you when you need to, to shake it. (laughs) Cause at some point you did in May, as you said, you did go full time because you you reached some type of inflection point where you're like, okay, it's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time. Yeah. All right. Tell us what it means to you to be black on shelf. You're on the shelves of Target and other and some other stores, but namely that's a big one that you just got into. What does that mean for you? Oh man, um, that means I'm on the right path. I I love partnering with the retailers that see something in new emerging brands. And that's a part of their mission is to support them. Mm-hmm. So it is a surreal process because if you would have asked the me that was crying in my internship, because I wasn't thinking outside the box that I would create something that a major retailer would be like, we want to take you on. I would be like, you're lying. <laughs> so it, it feels it feels so, so good to know that like Black on Shelf is, is becoming a part of their actual mission. Like it's so many major opportunities for black people that we need to take advantage of. And the fact is like, I'm one of them. I don't know if this opportunity would have presented itself maybe five years ago when I first started this idea. It maybe it wasn't part of their objectives or just wasn't thought of at the time. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's you, that's, you got to measure growth somewhere. So now that it's here, it's surreal to be a part of it. It's amazing. They're a great um, retailer group of people, teams. They're awesome to be partners for you. And just to be a Black individual just shows what's possible because I see so, so many things even above me that I'm like, wow, you're doing it. You're Black. You're a woman or you're a man. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible to be a part of the conversation, to be in the rooms. 
Um, and now my next step and part of my mission is to help bring other people along with me. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred people. A 100. Yes. <laughs> so actually, before we close, I definitely want you to share with people what that looks like, where they can follow you and be a part of that mission. Definitely. If you're looking to be in beauty or get on shelf, Bianca is another person that's like, make, make, she's, she has a program to help and like a little bit of an accelerator and taking it from the sense of I'm an entrepreneur who got my product here. Let me help you, you know, let me mentor you as well. That's a really great, that's a really great step. If you feel alone in your journey of building a brand, there's these communities, but if you feel alone in just kind of the details of what's going on or the process, this is a great program to put yourself in and, and to consider to get that access and help that you're looking for. Talk to us more about that. Absolutely. So obviously, um, this let's start with the Sassy Haircap Instagram. It is Sassy Haircap. I actually love my page. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so fun and very self-care, very humorous. Because, because you know, satin caps and sleepwear, that can get a little dry. <laughs> but I think my page is pretty entertaining after yes. a while. So um, Sassy Haircap is the Instagram. But on the other side of that, I am a coach and also a consultant to beauty, wellness, makeup, cosmetics, hair extensions, hair care brands. And that Instagram is called Bianca Builds Brands. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She does. As you can see, she builds brands. She is very serious about it. So join her programming, follow her page. Like I mentioned, you can learn a lot there. And, you know, this is someone saying, reach out. This is someone saying, I'm here for, for those people looking to be in those segments and categories, this is someone saying, I'm, I'm there and I'm not going to let y'all go behind. I'm not going to keep all the information to myself. So I love that you're so open and generous with your support of others. And that's totally going to keep coming back to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we will follow. We will support you hardcore in Target and make sure you stay there. So these new lines coming up can get all the facings. Um, that you're looking for. We're wishing you all the best and so proud of all the work that you've already done. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Black on Shelf podcast. Visit our website, blackonshelf.com and subscribe to the show on platforms including Apple Podcast, Spotify, and YouTube so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media at Black on Shelf If you are a founder or expert or want to recommend someone interested in being on the show, complete the Boss Podcast request form using the link in the show notes or on our website. If you love the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes. Finally, if you want more of all things Black on Shelf, join our Boss LinkedIn community to stay connected with other listeners, entrepreneurs, and experts. I want to grow the Boss Fam, and I'd love to stay connected with you. Thanks again for listening. All right, catch you next time.